When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'll give it six seconds because that's what he told me to wait for. Good evening and welcome to another episode of Sugar and Silk. I say sugar and silk, actually the silk is missing this week, but fear not because we have, by popular demand, the venerable Gary Stretchback. How's it going, Gary? I'm good, how are you, Ben? Popular demand. I've not heard that in years. You've not heard what in years? Popular demand. Yeah, well, as I say, Gary, um, I've made it public that you've expressed an interest in joining this kind of team of three musketeers as it will be but nothing but good feedback about that it's funny you know you are actually disproportionately well known and well remembered and popular compared to what you actually achieved in the sphere of boxing you're you're we've got the youtube channel up and running your your interview has done much more engagement than the others and i think there is something that i think people are interested in you and and you know what the the, the accolades you get for that role in Dead Man's Shoes, it does appear to have actually, that is your legacy actually over and above boxing, it would appear to me. It seems that way, yeah. It's, um, it was well received, the movie, and uh, yeah, very proud of it. Yeah, I'm getting indie kind of mates from old hippie mates from Stroud who don't know boxing from badminton who are saying, is that the guy from Dead Man's Shoes that you're doing things with now? And, I, and they're impressed with that. They don't, if it was Sugar or Leonard, they wouldn't care. Do you know what I mean? Right, no. Whatever floats the boat, you know. I mean, um, yeah, it's something that we did, and it's a. It, there was a movie that everyone told me not to do, and so it really? just shows you got to follow your gut. And um, and and I I, uh, I fell out with an agent over it because I'd just come off a movie Alexander, which was huge. I worked on it for nine months, made a lot of money. <clears throat> Angelina Jolie, Colin Farrell, Anthony Hopkins, yeah. and, you know, huge film, and uh, you know you. In, in the acting business, you're up and down, and then you land something. It was a great role. It was Oliver Stone directing. Yeah. And, you know, you're as good as your last movie. And so in the film world, it's like when you get booked on another movie, they say, what well, was his rate? And, you know, so you normally, you know, if you get X amount a week, then you get at least that, maybe 50% more on your next movie. So I get off at this movie, Dead Man's Shoes, for no money. 
and he said you can't do it you know i said but i like it and um but you can't take that route but i said it's, it's you know i'm passionate about the movie i want to do it so i did the movie and you know at the at the, at the cost of an agent i ended up leaving the agent over the movie and yeah. um and uh as as time's gone on it's become probably my best work so um you know, and yeah. you're only as good as the material you get. And so it's the first real, it's, it's ironic because I went to America, all the stuff I've done is American. And I really wanted to get my teeth into something British. You know, yeah. I'm a very English man uh, from heart. I'm proud to be English. And um, and I wanted to do some English and, and uh, it, it ticked all the boxes and I just followed my heart. And, and, um, and the other thing was the role was such a dark role and a, I was, there was times I was very uncomfortable um, approaching it. And Shane Meadows, the director, said to me, you know, Gary, if you're going to be bad, be bad. And um, so I trusted that and I went and and uh, I thought they were going to stone me at the premiere. But, you know, the response was amazing and the rewards were great. And I loved the process. And here we are, you know. Brilliant. So, moving on to Matters Boxing, tomorrow night in a Polish city that I can't quite pronounce the name of, the three-quarter heavyweight champion of the world, Alexander Yusik, takes on rank outsider Daniel Dubois. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, I can't see hardly anybody picking Dubois who isn't partisan, like Dev Sarni, who's very, you know, right knee-deep in the Frank Warren organisation, is championing Dubois' uh, chances and saying that it's going to shock the world. Frank Warren's saying it, obviously. Uh, Daniel Dubois says his tactics, uh, there's no secret about the fact that he's looking to use his size and his strength and he's looking to rough the smaller man up. Uh, your thoughts? You know, I, I'm, I take the opinion of probably the majority, but Something changed me today. Um, Dubois has this childlike quality, you yeah. know? He's got these eyes like a little puppy dog. He's yeah. very gently spoken. He, he seems like a very nice human being. He looks like he should not be in the business. That, you know, he's just yes. very... In, he has this innocence. You know, Ben, you, you, you've seen him. And... Um, is it a new team he's working with now? Yes, he's working with Don Charles, who is an experienced trainer. He's done, he's been there and done it at the, at the elite level, especially with heavyweights. He was, he was Derek Chisora's long-term trainer, so he, he was in the corner for Derek's fight with uh, Vitali Klitschko all those years ago. He was in the corner for all the difference it made in the Fury fight last December. Don Charles is a very passionate, committed savvy, clever trainer. And that's a good asset, you know, that the Dubois is going into this with I mean he had Shane McGuigan before that, right, Gary. And I to be honest with you, it's hard to keep up sometimes with these developments. I don't know what happened to the arrangement with, with Shane McGuigan and Daniel Dubois. Just the next thing I know he was working with my friend Don Charles in Finchley. You you know what it is, Gary. You know a lot of people, boxing fans, when they discuss it, and, and some of these people, with, with all due respect to them, and we need boxing fans, they've never been in a gym in their life and have certainly never trained anybody. And they say, oh, I think he should be trained with Adam Booth, or I think he'd be good with Virgil Hunter. And you say, you know, knowing a bit more about the business, you say, why do you think this? Based on what? Because I, I don't know who people should be training with half the time, to be honest with you. And I don't know about you, but I only really make a judgment if I've seen a trainer and I've seen him work. Do you know what I mean? I have seen Don Charles work, and I, and I know he knows his stuff you know it's funny it's like a relationship you know um it's chemistry 
either works it doesn't work and you can have a you know two amazing people but they just don't gel yeah you know, well Muhammad Ali and Archie Moore right young Cassius Clay I don't right. know if you know this, but you may do. When he turned pro with that 11 millionaire syndicate in Louisville after winning the Olympic gold medal, they put him with Archie Moore, which seemed like it was, you know, a good idea. Why wouldn't it be all-time great like that? Absolute guru. And they just couldn't get along. There was an ego clash. There was a personality clash. Cassius Clay, or the, the way Ali told it in later years, was that he said, the guy wanted me to be like, he had me washing up and, you know, and sweeping up the gym. And, you know, the, all this kind of idea of don't think you're too much of a big shot making him do menial tasks because he thought it was good for his mentality or development. And Ali said all he wanted to do was box. He didn't like some of the training methods and the discipline that Archie tried to exert upon him. And so after the first fight, do you know what? I don't know who was in Muhammad Ali's corner for his debut against Tony Hunsaker. Um, that, that would be interesting to find out because Angelo Dundee was with him for the second fight against Herb Seiler. But the point being, you couldn't say Archie Moore wasn't a good, a good coach, no doubt. You know, he didn't have a lot to offer. And, um, you know, I don't need to tell you about the fighter, but it didn't work out. The thing is, what I, my, my feelings on this is there's two absolute um, black and white situations going to happen. I go back to the, the, to the personality of, of uh, Daniel, and he's got this childlike thing, which, which an innocence. Did you ever see the movie of Mice and Men? I, I I read the book for O-Level at school and, and you liken him to Lenny, right? Yes, but not to Daniel, don't hate me and kill me. I don't think you're slow or backward. Or, you know, he was a... Yeah. Different, there's a, there's a, he, was, yeah. he was a... He was a big, strong man. But and he would, he would make mistakes and he would, you know... But if you, if you touched his bunny rabbit, it'd, it'd go through 10 guys, you know? And yeah. so... There's something about this quality that he had that that Daniel has, and it's not in the in the back kind of slow way. It's this innocence. It's like he's he's. I think he needs someone to to just push a certain button. Today at the weigh-in, um, you know, they said Do you have anything you want to say, and he preached some verse of the some. You know, um, some kind of uh, uh, religious. I, I don't know where it's from. I'm, I'm not that big on you know the the, the text of religion, but he, he he came up with this very specific proverb. proverb, and then unlike I've ever seen him ever, and I've kind of followed most of his fights. I've not been on him, but I've I've watched him like like I watch most, unlike. Anything else? They said, um, any, and they went to ask him another question. And he just went and just walked. Yeah. And he's like, it's like he's ready now. Yeah. It's gonna do one, one or two things. He's either gonna go all out, like, um, like, in, and and do what we want Joshua sometimes to do. Yes, yes. And it's either gonna get the Chisora effect, and maybe a younger Chisora with a yeah. little more spark. And a little more desire, even would have been the ten percent extra that would have won him the fight because it was very, very close. So you think it was close against Chisora back a couple of years ago? You, I you, thought. You I that, thought. Yeah? I well, I, I tell you this much: he didn't look like a world multi multi world champion gold no. medalist. He he looked like a guy you 
maybe won it, but in no way did he look good. I hear he you. Looked, I, mean, I think he, he looked uncomfortable, especially for three or four rounds. Uncomfortable all, all, often and pressured. And, and yeah. eventually, if you I mean, let's break it down. Let's take it. Everybody looks at Usyk. Let's look at Chisora. So he looked uncomfortable. He got pressured. He was And as the fight went on, did Usyk get better or did Chisora decline? Do you understand? And, and that's the big factor here. If... If you if you can say I watched that fight and as the fight went on, sure he got into his rhythm and, and did what he did, but he did that in in a way in which Chisora was slightly you know he's, he's, a, he's an older man he's he's had a lot of mileage and so the first three four five rounds which is where he was really at his best was when he was at his best yeah and if we have a young lion who yeah. who not only will get the three, four rounds at his best. But with the young lion, unlike the old lion... One fight. Not only will he not fail, he will get the confidence will grow. Yeah. And so he will get momentum. And then, and then who knows what will happen. That the only... Is, the, I hear what you're saying. The, the, the one issue that somebody might have with that, did you see Dubois' last fight on the undercard of Fury Chisora? That's on yes. Oscar. Yes. And uh, he was in against... An unremarkable southpaw from South Africa. Significant that he was a southpaw, obviously, because Usyk is. And it looked, it was ludicrously easy for uh, for that guy to hit Daniel with straight lefts. Um, he decked him in the first round, as you'll remember. Now, all right, some of the problems he had after that was he appeared to to hurt his ankle, didn't he? Something to do with his back foot or his back leg. And after that, it, that was causing him problems more than the concussion of the of the shot that knocked him down. Um, and there's two ways of looking at it, I suppose. You could say that that is a woeful indicator when going in with an accomplished ring general and elite fighter like Alexander Usyk. Or you could say, well, no, he came through adversity and he, in some ways perhaps he exercised the ghost of the, of the uh, surrender against Joe Joyce um, a couple of years beforehand. I, I think we have a bit of both. But again, it, it's this mental thing. When he was getting caught with the straight left hands, if he, if he, if he fights that fight with Usyk... There's no fight. The yeah. only way he's going to fight Usyk, he's going to have to get into a telephone box with him, and he's going to yeah. have to. And he, Usyk cannot be the master boxer that he is unless you let him. If you cut the distance and you jump on him and you pressure him and you have the ability to do so, the problem with Usyk, uh, that that Joshua's biggest problem was. Joshua had caution. He gave Usyk space, and you give Usyk space, there's no fight. Angles, yeah. footwork, speed, intelligence, IQ. You let you give him time to operate. He operates. When Chisora in the first fight didn't give him the time, and you can't be an operator. You can't be a, a slick boxer when someone's grabbing you and pulling your arms and leaning on you and throwing you and jumping on you before you could get off the ropes. That, and you know about that. You know a thing or two about that, right? Because you were a slick boxer and a slick southpaw. So you yeah. and you presumably dealt with that on occasion. Of course, and everyone would try and shut. Now the the problem um, Daniel will have is if he tries to do that, and Usyk has got the answer to that. Meaning, Chisora is able to effectively do some of that. Daniel's there's a gap. And, and Daniel's got to, you know, break through the gap. If he can get through the gap, 
and get into that situation, it can be advantageous. It can be very uh, disadvantageous if he tries to get through the gap and gets executed. And that's the thing that's going to happen here. He's either going to be ultra successful, I think, and and maybe be a better version of Chisora, yeah. or he's going to get executed. And and that is where I'm. You know what I do like about um, what I do like about the, going into this fight is he's definitely not the guy of the last fight mentally. Yeah, he's definitely on a different level. So it's will fine. that get him crucified, or will we see something we haven't seen? I don't know. Where do you stand on the the champion? Some people talk about him in the, in the most highest polluting terms. I remember before he even moved up to heavyweight, I remember a couple of people opining after he beat Gassiev to become undisputed cruiserweight champion that he was the finest cruiserweight in history. Obviously, some people beg to differ and advocate in uh, Evander Holyfield. But um, since he... See, it's funny, Gary. I remember when Joshua... I, Lock... think, I think John Conte would have beat him in his prime. Yeah, John Conte. See, keep coming out with these sound bites that we can take and make into YouTube shorts, please, Gary. Keep coming out with these things because then it could just be the caption. Gary Stretch, John Conte would have beat Alexander Usyk. This is how we do this marketing thing. You understand? Yeah. <laughs> keep on coming. Um, so, so yeah. no, I, I, I think Conte would have beat Usyk. I tell you, Usyk is, is, a, is a mystery. And no one's found the answers to the mystery, but they always get found. Maybe age does it, and they, and so it's, it's unfair to say. Maybe he has a mystery that no one, that no one found age <coughs> revealed. But I, when I look at greats, when I look at you know the greatest of all time, and you look at the Mayweathers, people may not like the defensive style, but he's a master. Yes. When you can make Canelo look like a little boy, yeah. When when forty five others couldn't. You have to give him plaudits. And they all talk about, you know, well, he'd had 40-plus fights. Yeah, say, you can't he, he was that young. Gary. Yeah, they're trying to make out that, like, he was a rookie with a 10 fights or something. Yeah, they it's a joke. Canelo was green. Nah, he was, he was kind of semi-built at that point. You know, uh, that's a great, great win. Uh, and I think that Canelo learned from the school that he got. From I yeah. think he went back and just watched everything that, that Mayweather did and copied it, you know, because... That's it, what they say. But when you look at them kind of fighters, Sugar Ray Leonard, um, even Hagler, who was an incredible middleweight, but he wasn't, he didn't, he didn't have the finesse of a Ray Leonard, and he had, he, he had, didn't. Although he did have it, though, he did have finesse, right? Sometimes people, yes, they cast Hagler as just kind of come forward brawler when he was actually a boxer and a counter puncher often when he wanted to be against Simpson against Benny Briscoe. Hagler had skills, he just. He was never going to have the kind of um, the style and profile of a Sugar Ray Leonard, you know. Yeah, I, but when I'm when I'm looking at it just as a as a science, as as a like the perfect this that the other, and 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 all of the elements together with a little bit of pizzazz, a little bit like Hagler was incredible, one of my favorite fighters of all time. But when I'm when you're talking about the complete package. Ray Leonard was one, you know. Ali, of course, in his prime. Um, Usyk, for me, I think is is a very unusual guy that no one's found the puzzle. He, I think he's very smart. He's very slick. He's he's awkward. He must be very awkward. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't look great ever to me. He, he's um, the way he punches, uh, but he's effective, and he must have some 
something that no one's worked out yet. But I, but, but um, I don't, I don't look at him at that level. I look at You're his achievements at that level. Yeah. But I don't look at him, him as a, as a pure. It's like looking at a classic car. You know, and there's a yeah. beautiful car, and there's another one. They said that's a real classic. He said, sure, and and may be the best of its kind. But I like this Aston uh, Vantage, whatever it is. It's like he's not the he's not the he's not the Aston Martin to me. So, um, talking of vintage cars, how much of a factor is it that the guy? It will be 37 next January. I know that fighters are lasting longer today than they did in the previous eras, probably for a number of reasons, probably because they don't have as many fights and they don't fight in eight-ounce gloves over 15 rounds, etc. And and, and possibly because they're taking various kind of pharmaceutical enhancers, who knows. But Usyk is still 37 next January, Gary, and he hasn't fought for a whole year. It's almost exactly a year to the day. I believe he fought Joshua on this day last year, uh, um, yesterday last year if you if you see what i mean it was it was that close it was this same week so he's still been out the ring 12 months i mean would you take heart from that from devar's perspective i would um i mean the the the, the thing is with fighters these days is um what it, it's 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 human beings when i i remember look at my see my father when i was a child he was 42 i remember the age it was just, yeah. it was 42 and to me, he was old, you know? Yes. Um, I'm almost 60. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying I'm young, but I train sometimes and I feel, and sometimes I even feel like, well, I wouldn't mind. I see these YouTubers, uh, you know? Let's have a go. Yeah. I would stamp Jake Paul in his head. I mean, I, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I don't want to sound like an idiot, but it's the reality of it. And, it would. Uh, it, it, I've, I've worked with guys in gyms and helped some of the MMA guys, and I'm still doing it like it's it's, it's embarrassing. And so, um, you know, and I, you say, you know, you're 56 years old or what, whatever, it's 56 or 57, I can't remember. But so we're getting better as we're getting older. But um, the thing is with Usyk, I think what you've got to remember is these fighters, he's a, he's a 100% pro. He's a married man. He's a very good family man. He's a law. Uh, he's a God-given man, and and he yes. his life is the game. So I think he's going to have long legs. Um, of course, some of the great talents burn out, but they they burn out because they burn out. You know, both sides of yeah. the coin. But I think Usyk is. Um, I, I think at Usyk's stage of the game, the breaks good for him probably. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point. You know what? Some people people can point to inactivity, but on the other side of that, there is preservation and longevity might be encouraged sometimes by having and a break. Unlike Joshua, he's not he's not still learning the job. He knows <laughs> the job well, so to yeah. be rested, it won't affect him. With Anthony, he's got to keep momentum, keep learning new coaches. You know, he's got to he, he can't afford to sit still. Whereas Usyk, he's he's got the same team for twenty years or whatever. 
Yeah. He knows the if he wants to take a break, he takes a break, and uh, it's not going to affect him at all. No, and it's um, it's interesting you mentioned Joshua again because I think there is something when you think about that robotic nature, because um, great it's fighters mental. do things naturally. It's all mental. Yeah, great fighters do things naturally, right? And they do things by osmosis, and they do things sometimes without thinking. As much as people talk about boxing IQ and things like that, some of it, as you know, is on feel, just in the moment. And uh, people like Anthony Joshua, Frank Bruno back in the day, and, that, and Daniel Dubois has shades of it too. There is this essence sometimes that it's all a bit by numbers and that they can't make those in, those adjustments of intuition in, in the eye of the storm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No. It's... Um... <clears throat> Dubois it, looks a little wooden. Again, I think, you know, it, I bring, you know, the fight game for me, it's, people always say it's mental. Let's break down what's mental. You know, I put it to basics. If I went out and had a fight with a person, a stranger, or you did, or, or Silk did, or anyone yeah. who's done a little bit, you know, um, you know, the odds are probably on our side. Yeah. But but it changes drastically if 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 there's some history or you've hurt someone's child or you've done something you're gonna affect someone's family, or then the opponent becomes extremely dangerous. And what is it that makes him dangerous? It it's an all-in thing. Like there you're gonna have to kill the guy to stop him. And yeah, and so the, the same animal becomes a very different animal. And so, you know, people talk to me about fighting and could you knock this? I, I never, I, you know, I, I never, every fight, every day is going to be different. If you have five fights with the same guy, I think you get five results and maybe different, um, depending on, you know, where, where they're at. Now, with, with Daniel, I think, I think the biggest hole in his game is mental. That's yeah. my my read on him. I think he's a strong kid. He's got a nice jab. He's pretty fast. He he moves okay. Good I would puncher. like him to be a little more elusive. Yeah. I he bangs. I mean, eighteen out of nineteen have gone to sleep pretty much. Um, he so he hits sword. hard. Yeah. So what is what did Mike Tyson have? He, he had all of the incredible abilities. He was a much better defensive uh, fighter, Tyson. Very ninety-nine percent of his fights, he came out without a mark on him. You know, he did but, uh, in the early days. Yeah, I mean, the th thing with Mike, you know, Mike, Mike obviously had amazing hand speed and he had a, a, an enormous amount of natural talent. And he was obsessive about his craft when he was younger. And obviously, everybody talks about that zigzag head movement, yeah, with Mike. And, and the angles, yeah? Mike would, you know the thing, when you when someone, when they slip a punch and then they shift their weight around to the side, Mike was so good at that. And some of his some of his offensive combinations are really outside the box, actually. I remember Angelo Dundee, when he knocked out Trevor Burbick in 1986, saying, I'd never seen that combination before. He said, a right hook to the body, a right uppercut to the chin and a left hook. He said that was new to him in all his years, you know. Of a, of a guru of the of the boxing scene. And he said he'd never... Obviously, nowadays, all the Tyson imitators do it, don't they? They throw that right hook to the ribs, then a right uppercut up the middle. You know, that's the, the kind of the karaoke Tyson approach nowadays. But out, outside of all of that, outside of all of that, what was, for me, the thing, the biggest thing about Mike was this and the and this fire that he brought. He brought this intensity. He come, You knew he was going to kill you. I mean, he... he, he and I don't think he, 
this sounds very strange. I don't think Mike was the bravest guy in the world. Oh, no, he wasn't. Listen, you're absolutely right, Gary. And Teddy Atlas, I know he's a hostile witness. He would agree with you. He said he did. He was actually scared inside and didn't believe in himself. That yeah, was... but that makes him extremely dangerous. When yeah, yeah, yeah. A cat, well, put a cat in a corner. Yeah. You got, well, it's, well, and that danger, that craziness that he had was what worked for him. Now... It worked until... He encountered adversity. Until he killed some to Holyfield, and Holyfield was well. Just no, Douglas. No, no, well, Douglas before that. You know, there was. Um, yeah, well, I, I don't know if it was. I don't know if that was that or whether it was conditioned with Douglas. But he could have been in the best condition in the world with Holyfield. Holyfield, he was not going to allow him to do what he wanted to do. And yeah. and what's interesting is, I mean, this is this is the one thing. And you know, I'm a fan of Tyson's, but when you bite someone. And the ref says one more time, you're out. Box, <laughs> you won out, right? Yeah, I, I would think so, Gary. Uh, that, and then denial. the bigger fight was after the after the fight was over, um, yeah. when there's 500 people between everybody. So Mike Tyson is incredible, and I'm a huge fan. But when you break it down to, to the you know to the who he was, if you if you do a psychological breakdown on Mike, <laughs> yeah. You have to bring in the elements of fear and of this and of that and his childhood. And how amazing. This makes Mike more amazing. The fact of where he went with all of that. He, he used it all in, to, for, for his favour rather than let destroy him. But, but I'm talking about these elements because it, it, this mental thing, you know, is, uh, is what makes or breaks moments in fights. And it's like, yes. if, if if someone gets into Daniel's head, of course, technicalities come into this. If, if if you get in with a guy and he's just so too good, too smart, Will will not make it happen. But if you, if you get into a kid's head, he said, just give me one hour, 36 minutes of your life. Yeah. And because, you know, I'm, I watch fights all the time and, it's a world title fight. It's a life-changing situation. And there's two rounds left and they just plod through the two rounds. And then, and it's close to fight. And then you say, he's going to wake up tomorrow and want to shoot himself because if you just give a little bit more, yeah. it was yeah. that close. He did won the world title. Yeah. You know, you remember um, uh, Buddy McGirt saying to Arturo Getty in the first Mickey Ward fight, we can rest all day tomorrow, Arturo. Yes. And so... It, it, you know, Daniel's at a, a, a place in his life now, but if I was him, you know, I tried it a little bit on a smaller scale. Well, it was at a smaller scale, or was it not? With Eubanks, I, yeah. as you know, I, 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 was, I, sat, I sat out for a year and then I got offered a fight pretty short notice for what I needed. Yeah. And I didn't go in and I, went, I tried to win it, you know, and, uh, and I, by the fifth round, I was exhausted because I was trying to win. Um, yeah, and so if if that I would if I was Daniel, I would just go all out. He's got nothing to lose. Uh, yeah. What he would, I think, you know, I think you would have sleepless nights down the line if you just go in and he's got to go all out. He can't outbox yeah. you. He can't outbox this guy. He can't outsmart him. It can be some factor, Gary, will be how much use it can hurt him because you can afford, even though you were a boxer, that was your style. Um, 
But, you know, if if it was your plan, if, suppose you came up against someone who was such an elite boxer or was a smaller guy that you felt that you actually couldn't have boxed or at speed and your plan was to rough him up, that would be contingent on how much respect he could, you, he could get when he hit you, right? If if Usyk doesn't hurt Dubois unduly with his shots, for the most part, then that makes it easier to apply that kind of uh, roughneck game plan, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing the thing is with me, I used to, I did very well at junior middleweight because I never really got hurt at junior middleweight ever. Yeah, you know, and so that that was my weight. I was a big junior middleweight, and um, of course the weight was hard, but I was never really hurt. At, uh, when it you get to moving up in the weights, then then it changes. But my approach to Eubanks was almost the same as fighting junior middleweight. But they I hit remember hard you saying immediately huh? after the fight. In the in-ring post-fight interview, I remember you saying, "I thought Chris Eubank couldn't hurt me." Yes, um, ruefully you said it. In a you know disappointed, obviously, but that's what you said. You said, "I thought he couldn't hurt me," and obviously you were acknowledging the fact that that had been you know a miscalculation. Yes, completely. Because you've got to remember the, but uh, you know these guys, you you know weight's a big deal. The the, the one weight up, the two weights up. I mean, Eubank's fought at like heavyweight. I was a he was massive, mate. Listen, I turn, you know I turn pro welterweight. So you know the real. It's the same. The two, the two guys. You know they're just two guys. Wongus is almost a heavyweight. He wants to fight Tyson. You, yeah, you I, just I reminded me. Mayweather. So you just reminded me of something. Scale. Uh, I've just remembered something, Gary. I bumped yeah. into Eubank in two thousand and six on a corner in Soho, right? right on a Sunday afternoon. And he looked massive. That was the point because he was retired a few years, and he, and he looked he looked huge, but still in shape. Okay, which shows you how big he was. But you know what he said, and you can confirm this for me. He was on the phone, yeah, and I and I kind of troubled him to end the phone conversation so I could bother him like a bit of a fan. And then I asked him what he was up to, you know, hanging around Soho on a Sunday evening. And he said, "I'm visiting a friend." And he said, "Gary Stretch, actually, it's his apartment up there." Would does that ring a bell? Was it, did you used to have an apartment yes. in Soho? Yes. Well, isn't that funny that I bumped into him on a corner on a Sunday in 2006 and it was at your apartment and here we are now doing our thing and we're going to do big things also. And you know, he said, he gave me a great compliment because um, we talked about many things and, and he said, you know, he talked about the hardest fight he ever had and this and this with Ben and this and, and the Watson and all that. But he said to me, you know, Gary, you're the most, one of the most difficult and he said, I remember sitting down in, at the end of the third or fourth saying, I'm not sure how to work this guy out. He said, I always thought I would get to you somehow. But he said, unlike on, on the other, you know, people say to me uh, or have said, if Gary Stretch had six months to train or a year to train, he would never beat Eubanks. I, I disagree because I had yeah. less a month. And... If I can beat him for five rounds because it was ahead on all judges' scorecards, Absolutely. if I do another five the same, I'm fine. Uh, but uh, so I think, um, but I was a smaller man. I remember shaking his hand, and I was like, he was like grabbing hold of a piece of like a watermelon. Um, He's just bigger man. But Gary, and, look at what Dan Sherry nearly did in Eubank's first defense of that WBR middleweight title. You could yeah. have done. You could have done that, and then some. It's, I know it's academic now, and, and history has been written. But you know what I mean when you look at what Sherry Sherry nearly um, ended that run before it started. Sure, trained by Sugar Ray Leonard. Yes, indeed. And yeah. uh, no, I, I say this on on the, on the record. Eubanks beat me fair and square 
no question and um, I have no excuses in my heart do I wish I the circumstances were different sure uh, was it ideal to sit a contract out for a year before and not fight and no but I took it I'm a man I got beat done but in my in my heart I have you know you, you have regrets you, you have uh, girlfriends that you didn't put the effort in and you regret yeah. and it, it's life but um I think on, on on the stage that we're at tomorrow with a young lion against an old fox or older fox, um, Daniel's got to be a young lion. He's got to go all in. It's a poker hand. He's got to go all in. and, um, and But uh, not stupidly, but he's, yeah. he's, got, to, he's got to be smart, got to go all in. And, and, and I think the most important thing is that he doesn't have any regrets. Because yes. forget, forget what we think. Forget what the, you know, the commentators and the even the the, the crowd. He's got to wake up the next morning and, and not regret. And I think if he can do that, then he wins either way. Uh, can I trouble you for a final prediction that you'll put your money down on? Usyk. Okay. What about you? Yeah, um, eight or nine rounds. I, I think Daniel will be stopped on his feet, perhaps against the ropes. But you, I think of, um, you know, that bombardment that Anthony Joshua was subjected to at the end of the first fight at Tottenham Hotspur. And he survived it, obviously. I have a vision of Usyk uh, shipping similar kind of punishment by about the eighth round and, um, and not surviving it, ultimately. Um, I, think that, I think there's one thing we're not you know, addressing also is let's give Usyk credit in the fact that he's a new heavyweight and now he's getting into his stride. You know, yeah. every fight he's getting better and bigger and stronger and he's, he's he, for him it's new territory. So we have to give him the 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 you know the, the he's got to get that that early stage when he first gets into this different weight. He's got to get. He, he, I think he's. He's settled into it now. And I to think be honest, he's only going to get better for the next couple of fights. I, yeah, I don't I mean, see him I don't see him I don't see him being being enough. And and I don't even think it's size. I, I think Tyson Fury beats him all day long. So do I, you know, Gary. I mean I've had a bit of a media blackout just in my own little platform. I haven't been talking about Tyson Fury recently because I resolved not to cover him until he until he announces a legitimate fight, you know, within the realm of boxing. But having said that, you know, I, I've always felt that Fury beats Usyk. Um, I know a lot of people are arguing that, you know, Usyk is big enough and if you're good enough, you're big enough, all the rest of it. And there's a lot of backlash against Tyson Fury. He's, he's become quite unpopular with the rank and file of kind of boxing fans or the so-called hardcore boxing fans. But I, I do believe that Fury still beats him, you know, come what may. Um when you talk about Usyk uh, adjusting to a new weight division, I do wonder, you know, how long, much longer he'll be around for because he will be 37 January 17th, which is also Muhammad Ali's birthday, you might recall, uh, next year. But, um, yeah, I wonder how much, how much longer. I mean, the, the idea... I don't of, think it's... I think it's... This, I think if he beats Fury, he's done. Yeah. There's no, I think he does nothing else to... I think he's, a, I think he's, he's the kind of guy who will look forward to family life I think he looked forward to new challenges. Uh, yeah. I think he wants. I think he wants to prove he's the best possibly. And if he beats Fury, he goes into that 
Super League or maybe the best <laughs> ever. Um, undefeated in, in every stage of his career. He proves me not wrong. I, I say now he's one of the all-time greats, but I just don't I think, get... Is he though, Gary? Is he one of the heavyweight all-time greats? I would say absolutely not. Not yet. No, 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 not close. He beat uh, Joshua um, twice. And, and Chisora. Yeah, I mean, come on. And Chaz Witherspoon. Or, um, yeah, or no, he's not. He's got no resume as a heavyweight yet. I mean, Joshua's no. a, big, a big win, but and, and I love Joshua. I think he... You know, I think he he gets a lot of flack. It, people don't, you know, give him credit for the the lack of years, you know, and the lack of uh, experience. He's learning on the job, and you make mistakes on the job. And uh, Anthony lost loads of fans, didn't he, when he made that th those comments at the Black Lives Matter rally um, back in 2020, uh, I believe it was. Um, he seemed to an awful lot of people got off got off that bus. Um, when he made those comments, rightly or wrongly. Um, yeah, because that, that whole Black Lives Matter um, thing was a strange phenomenon because all lives matter, right? I mean, uh, I know things happen to uh, black men. I live in America, and the yeah. black man in America is is prejudiced so badly. I see it all the time. The, you know, poor people be getting pulled over just because they're driving a nice car. And it doesn't happen to the average white guy. So no. it, it, it's out there and I don't like it. But, you know, when you start, and, and I don't like the separation that, that maybe police have with certain minorities or ethnicities. Yeah. But, but when you become that same person and start to just section people, then, then you're becoming... The enemy again, so I, 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 I'm not. I, I believed in the in the in the cause, and I believed in the in the principle behind it. But yeah, uh, but I, I think sometimes it's better to to just you know be very careful what you say. Because yeah, unless. Unless it is such a point of principle and so important that you just say it and be damned. But what it, uh, without going down a massive rabbit hole on this particular episode, Gary, what I think with with Anthony and the, and the comments he made, the thing that he read out, I think it was a, it was a confusing um, statement to make when you were in his position as quite a corporate clothes horse. You know, you go boss. Well, I think when you when you, pick, when you pick a side, you lose a side. You know, and so yeah, yeah. you have you know, and and I'm all for your beliefs and, you know, uh, and, and passion about what you believe. But, but, um, if you, you have to be prepared, if you, if you choose a, a certain route, you lose this route, you know, often. So, because, yeah. because it makes this other side feel like they don't, they're not educated in the fact or, or evolved enough to understand. We know that, you know, yeah. We know that. We know. We care. We love you. We're all the same. We're all equal people. But when people kind of start to separate, it makes makes you feel like, well, well you think I'm stupid? They think uh, I'm, I'm not a human being? Like you think it's, divi it's divisive and alienating, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's, there's enough alienation going on as it is without, you know. Yeah. And that, that situation that happened, we should focus on that situation and and to anyone of that nature you know yeah well exactly and 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 there have been other sometimes people have pointed out 
situations when the boot was on the other foot and they've not got the same world media crusading attention. But in, in any case, um, we're both going for Alexander. No politics, because I hate politics. Say again? Well, yeah. No politics. I hate yeah. politics. I, I'm very apolitical, to be honest, Gary. I've, to me, it's boxing, music and literature. That really is about it. But um, so there's a couple of things I want to ask you again about your own personal history. And not just I want to ask you. We've had some questions since you've kind of uh, been involved with us, you know, with the, with, the, with the episode of Sugar and Silk that came on a few weeks ago, which was brilliant. Um, I've got a few comments on Facebook and YouTube. People in particular have been asking me about an altercation that supposedly took place between you and the Longfella, which is he's like an, a well-known person in East London, shall we say. You said you didn't mind discussing it with me. People keep asking no. me no, because I even read it, and and yeah, um, and then I I watched. One guy was very happy to, you know, it's funny because no matter what happened, that someone put out a podcast, and it was the way in which he reveled in it made me laugh. I thought, yeah. what a what an idiot, right? You know, because it's not about giving news. If you revel in the news, then of course you've got a side, or you have an issue, or you know. Uh, so that that made me smile. Um, there was an incident, yeah. and the first person I gave my autograph to, at, at, as a professional boxer, was an old man. Yeah, his name was Harry Cope, and I think I was at your call. Yeah, and and I came out the ring, and an old man said, "Hey, can I have your autograph?" And I, I gave it to him, and he followed me in the changing room, and they tried to stop it. I said, "It's fine." He was about 85 or something. I don't know. And I let him come in and he sat and he was a big boxer. Everyone knew him. Apparently, he ran with the craze in the day. He was a bit of a boy himself. Yeah. And so, but a lovely old man. And so it, that was it. And then the next fight, he was there. But he was at most of the fights. And yeah. four, five, six fights, you know, I'd see him at. And one time... I was leaving and I saw him out coming down the steps and I said, do you live near, oh, do you need a ride? He said, no, 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 I'm fine. I have a ride. But there was like a little connection more so than just, you know, yeah. normally just drive by and, he, and that was it. And then I bought a house in Victoria Park and I, it was a second story Victorian at uh, the top two floors. And I, I first day I walk out on my terrace and there's a garden and then there's another house behind me. And I walk up the terrace and I look and there's two eyes looking at me, that house. And it yeah. was him. Yeah. And he, and he used to call me son. What? Yeah. Son. I said, Harry. He said, what are you doing here? I said, I just bought this house. He said, I live here. He was amazing. Right, yeah, right, right in front of me, not yeah. slightly right or left. Yeah, right in front of me. I said, I said, you live, you live here. And he, he said, I've got. They had like five sisters, or something, right? There was like 89, 92. Now, I said, that's incredible. He started crying. Oh, son, oh, son, I can't believe you live here. So <laughs> that was the end of my life because if I come home at ten o'clock at night and he saw the light come on, he was on the door. All so. Right. Seven in the morning, some you want some coffee, you know. It was like, <laughs> but I, I loved him, you know, he was yeah. an amazing character. And he he showed me places in London, uh, uh, the old I was here with Ronnie and there, and it was just a friendship, 
Yeah. And so I went to a pub one night. I was with Kevin Lushing's brother, Errol Lushing. Yes. Um, me and Errol went and we took Harry. I used to take him everywhere with me. I used to give him a bit of food, money, and, and you know, we used to dress him. He was always immaculate. So we went to this little pub and, um, and we was on the lash, as you call it. Yeah. And, uh, Jimmy Tibbs was there, my yeah. former trainer and great friend. Yeah. And I guess a bunch of guys who I didn't know. Uh, I didn't take much notice of because I was just, you know, I, I didn't know. There's a big crowd of people. And we're fucking around me and Harry. And we we used to get quite animated. I, I think I kept him young, you know. We had such fun. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, I don't. I can't remember what we're doing, what we're doing, performing as we did, and he, and then he kind of went to the bar or something, and and, so, and someone's come over to me said said someone like, "Hey, mug, what, what what's your problem with the old man?" And and I, t- I said, "What?" And as I turned around, someone hit me. Don't yeah. know who it was. Don't know what. So, and then it went mayhem. So my, about four or five guys jumped on Errol, my friend. Don't know how many jumped on me, but it just went chaotic for like a minute, and then somehow it stopped because Jimmy Tibbs stopped it. I don't know how it happened, but it suddenly stopped. I was against the bar. Yeah. I had a guy. I had a hold of a guy, and uh, I didn't go down. So everyone keeps saying I got knocked out on the bar. It's not yeah, knocked out cold hit. according to the, 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 the yeah, yeah, yeah. Circulating. You know what? What I will say is I think the most respected man in boxing, for me, the most respect, the, the man I respect the most is Jimmy Tibbs. Yeah. And, you know, Jimmy could be asked the story. I'm sure he'll be no problem yeah. telling it. And yeah. so anyway, it's not a, for me, it's not a big deal. So it, it stopped. And then Jimmy, we get to an argument and then somehow he gets explained, what's wrong with you guys? He's with Gary, the, the man. They thought so. It appeared that they thought that I was taking the piss out of an old man. Yeah. So at that point, I just I didn't have a clue who hit me. I still don't know to this day, and that's the God's honest truth. So yeah. then Jimmy said to me, "Come on, guy, let's better get you out of here because apparently they're a very serious bunch of guys, right?" Yeah, yeah. So we left. I then found out it was this guy, um, David Hunt, or yeah. his people. I don't yeah. know if David hit me or didn't, but and I and I thought about it the next day. Number one, I'm not an idiot. Uh, I found out who the people were, and I'm just a kid trying to make a living, you know. Okay. I took a right hand, okay, um, and and could they could they could. Did they think I was taking the piss? If they did, I deserved a right hand, right? Yeah. So if I look at it, like in the, I was I was upset that I thought, what, what the fuck was that about? But but then I also see if if it was David, if if David saw me taking the piss out of an old man, and didn't realize right. it. Was better. Yeah, he, then there's nothing wrong with what he did, right? So and and he genuinely could have saw saw it that way. So I I. What, what am I, and even if even if he, he was wrong, I'm not going to go try and take on this. I, I was fine. I didn't get it. I got a burst slip, right? Yeah. So I just I took it on the chin. I thought, 
it's sad, but it is what it is. But I was, what could I do? I'm, I'm nothing. I, I didn't. I wasn't going to die over a silly incident that maybe yeah, these guys felt I was taking the piss. And if they did, then good on them. Because if I saw an old man being in any way abused, I'd do the same. So I didn't yeah. think badly of David at all. Yeah. Um, I just thought it is what it is, you know, and and, and that was it for me. Um, and then years go by and it's this and that. What did upset me is that, you know, people were saying I was taking the piss out of him. No, I hope they understand that that wasn't, I think Jimmy explained and, and um, but I, to be honest, over the years I've heard, which is sad that, that he, he didn't like me before for some reason um, or maybe he thought I was flash or I just, which is his right. It's not his right to hit a guy if you don't like him. Um, yeah. But, but I heard from some very good friends and very serious people that, that David Hunt's a really good guy. And so yeah. the sad thing I had is that maybe if we had a cup of tea, uh, we'd like each other, you know. I don't know, but I mean, sometimes people, it was funny. People, was, over, people over the years have always said to me, Do you think you could take David Hunt? And I've always said the same thing. I said, I said, I'll, I'll take him to lunch, you know, yeah. and that's Supposedly been it. I've he never... was a good boxer in a day, you know, Gary. Apparently, he had some amateur fights and he wasn't bad. Yeah, I'm sure that, yeah, I've heard he's a he's just, well, I know he's a serious guy, you know, so but you know, it, it is what it is. I took a right hand. For whatever reason, it's not the end of the world. It is what it is, you know. Yeah. And so, um, if if this guy wants to make a podcast about it and and uh, and and in some way feel like he can put me down, Gary Strait, you know, I'm not. Uh, everyone can take a right hand. I took a few in my life. Yeah. You yeah. know, I've won my share and I've lost a few. So I'm not. I, I'm just. A, I, you know, I'm just a guy. And I. I they're just trying to make a living, you know. I'm just trying to yeah. make a living, and it's, you can't please everybody, you know. You know, you 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 were never going to be universally liked back in the day. Let's 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 do the checklist. You were good looking. You were, you know, you had a certain swagger. You know, um, you were you were pictured with 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 beautiful women in the tabloids. Um, so th that's never going to be endearing to the entire world and his brother. You know that. Yeah. But and I understand it, and I have no problem with people if they don't like it. Um, I always try to respect people, you know, it's like a big thing to me. And um, I try to do my best to help people if you know, I've always been the, the same, I've been loyal to my friends, and uh, I, you know, it is what it is. I don't like everybody, I'm sure, you know, no, I can't expect everybody to like me, but um, yeah. I, I felt like it was a big misunderstanding. Um, yeah. It's interesting to get it put to bed anyway. I mean, it's not, it's something to be honest with you. I was only aware of it quite recently. It was a couple of years ago. I read that book. There's a book, I think it's called Legacy by, I can't remember the author now, but it, it was a quite a daring, bold book about East London, um, the gangland, I suppose, um, you know, and it talks about the, it links it all to the 2012 Olympics. Um, and he talks about a lot of those Canning Town figures in particular, and that's when I stumbled upon the um, <clears throat> upon the, the the passage that you just alluded to, the incident you just alluded to. Yeah, and you know, oh, people say it like it's the worst thing in the world. Let yeah, say, let, let's imagine David Hunt knocked me out in a bar, right? 
Yeah. What's the problem? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I'm sure it's not better people out than me in bars, you know? So it's like yeah. the whole thing for me was like, it's a situation it happened it happened it's done it's like i i woke up in the morning i'm fine i'm um you know my my dad was not a gangster he was a very gentle quiet man but he used to say to me if you have a problem with someone guy go home sleep on it lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, and if you wake up in the morning, you've got a and you still have a problem, then you, maybe you have to go and do something about it. And so I, I, I didn't have a problem. It was that it was it was what things happened. Um, I was we was all drinking and fucking things happen. Uh, I just moved on and uh, I hope they moved on. You know, it's like I, I just don't know what people keep talking about it because I don't think I'm that big of a deal. I'm not talking about David. I'm talking about this guy who puts the podcast. Like, yeah. what would you want to put a podcast out about? Such a bit got chinned in a bar. Well, it, there's there's a lot. I've done, it is what it is. But but I have I no want, problem with David. or never have. Don't know him. I don't never met him. Yeah. Um, again, I've had some really good people tell me he's a really good guy. So, I, but I don't know. You know. But yeah. it was just it was 20 years ago, however long and. I'm still reading about it. Indeed. Well, I won't be sensationalizing this particular podcast. With there the is head. one thing, though, that's funny. Uh, I, I tell you, there's one thing that's funny. Is There's another one going around uh, that I was at, in my hometown of England, in, in St. Helens, yes, in, yes. A, in a chip shop. And imagine this one. And I pushed in them, went to the front. I'm Gary Schertz. Get, let me get my chips before you. Can you imagine this? Yeah. And... Uh, you know, so who I am. What, you know who I am. I get chips first, right? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and so I end up getting knocked out by a rugby player. On yeah. this is what, on this particular incident, and they're still writing it. And, I, and they give it legend rugby player, whoever. I'm sure he's a legend, but he didn't knock me out, that's for sure. But on this one, I, I had a mate of mine tell me about it. And I said, can you tell me, find out when it was? And he gave me the day, such, such a day. And I hadn't been home. I was in America, living in America for 20 years. If you look at my passport, I've been home about five times in 20 fucking years. Yeah. I don't think I'd been home in five years. So I wasn't even in the country. <coughs> it's still it's still going around this 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 but I'm sure you are familiar with the Oscar Wilde axiom. There's only one thing worse than being talked about, <coughs> Not being talked about, right? Indeed, yeah, indeed. And um well I can't fight, you all know that. I mean I'm just I, just, I I stole money. Um, but bringing things to to a close and back back to to boxing, gloved fighting. Tommy Shaw, a good amateur in his own day, has just asked, "Can you ask Gary who was his hardest fight with?" Myself. Uh, oh, yeah. No. Um, um 
You know what's funny? Eubanks was the least, or not the least, but he was, I found him, there was nothing I found difficult. This is why I'm haunted by it. I want to jump off a bridge. Um, I found, um, ironically, Gary Cooper yeah. was, was, a, a, was my hardest fight because I broke both hands and my nose by round three. Yeah. So for me, it was, it was a, you know, it was a, it was a tough fight because both hands were broke. Uh, and he, he had this style. He put his head down a lot, kept hitting on his head and I'd never broken hands before. I didn't have bad hands, but both hands busted. And, um, and then it was, you know, it was hard. It hurt me more to hit him than it did him. And then I had to do, I was kept trying to just bite on the gum shield and throw him because I wanted to get him out. But there's something like subconsciously, I just think your body pulls them. You know, I really wanted to try and just, okay, the hands broke, just smash him and get him out because I thought I could have. But I guess somehow you pull instinctively. So it was a long, hard night. And so that was a tough one. But I think it, it gave, uh, it, it was a great learning fight because I, I did the 12. So it was great to do 12 rounds. Um, that was a tough fight. Um, I had a lot of tough spars, which was yeah. much more, you know, Mike McCallum. Mike McCallum, huh? how was that? Uh, Mugabe. McCallum was amazing. I loved working with McCallum. He, he, trained, he trained out of Vegas at the top rank. So I did I did uh, a few rounds with Mike, many rounds. Um, John Mugabe was an interesting, uh, dangerous guy. When did he went. catch you good? Did he catch you sweet, Mugabe? Ever? No, if you would have, I'd, if you'd hit me on the chin, I'd have got booked for speedy, right? Yeah, no, also, I, that's what I want to know because you know when I, when I ask you how hard did Mugabe hit when you talk about no, yeah, he he, he he almost broke my arm. Yeah, he hit me on my arm, and my fucking arm was this big. It was great; it looked like I had big arms, but it, it, my yeah. arm was like like this big for. Yeah, I was icing my arm for a week. He put me out out of action a little bit. You days told me. You know, huh? Billy Joe Saunders said um, he would test someone's power, like David Lemieux, for instance. His trick, he said, was to open his guard a little wide around the body, open his elbows a little wide, attempt them to throw a body shot, then he'd block it with his elbow, and he said he could gauge somebody's power from that, or he felt he could anyway. Yeah, my thing was don't let them hit you. you know? Yeah. <laughs> but but no, there was a... Uh, McCallum was a great spot. Um... um I worked with a kid who was great, and I think he became world champion. Did you ever hear of a fighter, Manning Galloway? Absolutely. A, a, a light welterweight guy. He, he lasted a very long time. He beat Pat Barrett. Ah, okay. Now, he had a snap, you know, like he, were, he had this pop that was, uh, you know, like uh, um, John David Jackson. Yeah. Uh, another talented um yeah, I mean most most of the most of the most of the work that I got in the states. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of great fights in England, but uh, yeah, I think I think the Mike McCallum was the was the and and Mugabe was Mugabe was just he just had to really keep you switched on, you know. Yeah, Kirkland Langer spent a lot of time with sparring. Um, How did you get along with him? Because Kirk was just so. Unorthodox, and I would have thought frustrating for most people. I loved him. He was great. He was out of his mind. He used to do this little howl. 
boom, when he, when he, you, you know, he's like talking to you through these, boom, boom, and, uh, but, um, yeah, he was, he was a nice man, you know, when you, when he was so different, but, um, talented fighter, um, yeah, there was a, all different for different reasons, that's what's so wonderful about about the game it's like you know all of these fighters bring so interesting they all bring something different and i wonder if 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 the likes of the floyd you know he has that little bit of all you know because he i heard well it's common knowledge that you know floyd was made to spar thousands around with everybody for years you know when he was a kid he sat yeah. through him with everybody and i think um when you get that kind of work, because, you know, it's in the English tradition or what we do, we get ready to fight for a certain amount of weeks sparring. And I heard Floyd was from this big, he just sparred his whole life. And so yeah. it's, for him, it's just but, like a walk in the park. Do you know, Wilfred Benitez did too, but that seemed to have a very uh, grave effect on his longevity and his, and his, and his long-term health. You know? Um, yeah, yeah, no. Get a lot of damage. More, more, more so in the gym, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, but um, so I'm trying to bring this to a to some kind of crashing denouement. We're, it's cool what we're talking about now, but I feel we're a, we're a bit chilled and a bit comfortable just to say, and this is the ending. Tune in next week. So, can I ask you about one more thing? And it's it's actually got nothing really to do with boxing. Yeah. Uh, Max Clifford was your publicist. Yes. Uh, back in the day, um, I remember that because I remember you were on a lot. Of, you, you had that crossover appeal, and 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 that kind of crossover fame for a little while in Britain. Part, so it's part and parcel to, to a media guru like that behind you. Obviously, he became disgraced in the end. And I just wanted to ask you what your take on that whole situation was. I didn't I didn't know much about it. Someone put me with him, didn't know him that well. I went out yeah. a few times with him. Um, yeah. Nice fella, honestly, uh, for me. I mean, but I'm... I'm yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I was about to start work with him. It, it was really... Um, I tell you what Max did, which was amazing, um, which is the main thing with my work with him, is on the Eubank. Someone, I think Alan Lacey, I can't remember. Someone brought him in for for the Eubanks fight. I think yeah. I'd never had any kind of publicity before that. It, my own stuff was just I, did, I never tried to get publicity, but they wanted to. You know, I, I had this new bunch of guys around me. Uh, for the Eubanks fight, which is a conversation we got to have because I never got paid for that fight. I, yeah, I may, can you imagine? But that's a conversation I'm really going to get into. And in fact, I'm I'm actually at the stage in my life now where I'm actually going to go and do something about it. But um, the only thing I would say about that, I, I'm all, I'm all up for that. I'll be 100 behind you. The only other the interesting thing is with us launching an assault on the boxing industry as sugar, <laughs> silk, and stretch. We will be looking probably for accreditation at certain things, and it's going to be an interesting tand- kind of tangent. Um, where you say no, no, it's a wonderful game, it's yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. But with, uh, but with Max, I say, well, it, well, anyway, so they they hooked him up with me for the Eubanks fight, and he brought a little boy, um, who was on Make a Wish. And if you watch the fight, you'll see a little boy at the front with a little stretch hat on, yeah, 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 I think I'm walking I've... down, yeah. And um, and it was his his one wish. I don't know how he even knew me, the kid. He was so young, but he he, he knew me for some reason, and he wanted to meet me. And of course, he, what I said, let him walk out with me. 
and he died, I think, day, yeah. day or so later. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it was a, and I, I thought it was, a, you know, great thing that, as I said, do you do this kind of work all the time? Like she said, I, I try, you know, I'm very involved with this Make-A-Wish Foundation. So, but I was, I was in America that, that time, so I didn't really have much contact, you know. And after yeah. the Eubanks fight, it was kind of, what, yeah. what are you going to promote? So, so I suppose you were as kind of uh, surprised as everybody else was. Um, or uh, maybe some people weren't surprised. I don't know. I think somebody in the media might have said they already had their suspicions. But I imagine well, you him, surprised Yeah, I mean, it's, you meet people, you just don't know, do you? you know? No, you don't. You don't, you don't, you um, don't know. And, you don't. Um, no, I didn't have a clue what was... What, what that was about, but they in fact called me the police and, uh, and asked me and said, you know, you know, did you, do, you know, do you know anything? I said, Witness anything yet? No, there's no, no idea. Well, he did a good job for you at the time, and that's all, all we can say, really. But um, so Gary, um, will you be about? It's great that you've um. I say we're called Sugar and Silk for now. We're in this kind of transitional phase. For anyone who um, that might be interested, Gary called me on Monday and said he was interested in doing something a bit more ongoing with myself and Mike on a larger day. We were only too delighted to have him on board. It's already proven to be a really good arrangement because Silk can't make it tonight in Steps Gary. There's time last week I couldn't do it, so Gary did it on his own with Jesse James Lehar. So will you be about Silk this? Did it, not me. Go on. Go on. You said Gary did it. Silk did it, right? Sorry, Silk, Silk did it. Oh, yeah, he didn't. Silk did it on his own, sorry, with Jesse James Lehar last Sunday. Will you be about Sunday night this weekend, Gary, where we, we, we debrief the Usyk Gabor fight, hopefully with the Silk as well? I'd love to. Can I get your... Um, your you, you're on Usyk, you said? I'm on Usyk. And, and I you said, was, if, if I'm right, eight or nine rounds, right? Eight or nine rounds, I think, it, and he might stop him on his feet um, with, with a, bombarding, a bombardment RSF type situation, yeah. But we'll find out soon enough. We'll be hang around, Gary. We'll have a quick debrief backstage. Those of you who tuned in, thank you very much for supporting us tonight. Remember, this is brought to you exclusively by Ace Podcast Nation. It's brilliant to have Gary Stretch on board. It's only going to get bigger from here. Stay involved. Be lucky. Keep punching. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.